welcome back to our summer series of Win the Day. And uh, to get us back on track, uh, let me quickly just summarize the previous two messages so we can kind of roll right on into this next one. We talked about on the first Sunday of this series about uh, flipping the script. And we learned through Joseph's story in the Old Testament that we need to know our name. We need to know who we are in Christ. And then we need to fix our focus by fixing our eyes on Jesus. And then we need to have our story change. We need to change our story. If we don't like what we're doing, we don't like how it's coming out, we don't like how it's uh, unfolding, then we'll change your story. And you do that by allowing the author and perfecter of our faith to write his story in us and through us. Then the next Sunday, we talked about kissing the wave, which if you get a mental picture about that, you probably think about getting a mouthful and nose full of water. But uh, this was, uh, we looked through the life of nation. Uh, he was, he, he, he learned to kiss the wave and uh, through all the different things by walking out into the waters before uh, Pharaoh's army was coming down. And God said, go forward. And so he did. And he went on through and he came right up to his neck and up to his nose. And then it finally parted. Um, through that, though, we also, too, learned how to kiss the wave. That throws us against the rock of ages, as Charles Spurgeon mentioned. By facing our fear, by taking our stand, and by holding our peace. So those are some things we learned so far in this series, summer series of Win the Day. Now, a gentleman named Bob Specka was a sophomore at Marple Newton High School when he was first introduced to the math induction theory. His teacher, Mr. Dobransky, likened that theory to the domino effect. After school, Bob Specka went out, bought two boxes of dominoes, and he lined them up, 112 dominoes in a row, pushed one over, and you know exactly what happened. It had a domino effect. And after graduating high school, Bob Specka appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and he showed off his domino top, topping, toppling skills. And the Guinness Book of World Records created a category to recognize his accomplishments in 1976, and Bob Specka set the first world record in domino toppling with a chain reaction numbering 11,111 dominoes. Over the next decade, he would break his own world record five times, top, topping out at 97,500 dominoes. <laughs> I don't know how long that takes to set up, but my goodness. Around the same time, though, that Bob Specka was setting world records, a physicist named Lauren Whitehead was doing experiments with the domino chain reaction. And Whitehead discovered that a domino is capable of knocking over another domino that is one and a half times its size. A two-inch domino can topple a, a three-inch domino. A three-inch domino can topple a, a tumble over a four-and-a-half-inch domino and go on and go on. And by the time you get to the 18th domino, you could topple the, learning, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> you could topple that one. Of course, it's leaning, so that's not entirely fair. But uh, the 21st domino could take down the Washington Monument. And then the 23rd domino could knock over the Eiffel Tower. 
And the 27th domino could cartwheel the 160-story Burj Khalifa. Very interesting. Well, let me double all the way back, though, then to the, this math induction theory. Instead of a fancy formula, let me give you a, a real-world example. According to this theory, you can climb as high as you like on a ladder by starting with the bottom rung, then climbing the ladder one rung at a time. The theory is relatively new. The idea, though, is as old as the Tower of Babel. <laughs> In Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, it says, Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. That was the beginning of them mixing up the language so they would stop what they're doing. Now, let me say it another way. Almost anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. If you've ever watched ants work their thing, Long enough, hard enough, and they are pretty smart. They'll get a lot of things accomplished. And the key is what, would, what, what could be called domino habits, basically. Little habits that are high leverage habits. If you do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. So in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, he gives the imagery of losing our old self and putting on a new identity, the identity of Christ. And we are a new creation, a new person when we come to Christ. And in the same way, we must put away old, ha old bad habits and start to implement new healthy habits. And sometimes these habits are not the most exciting, but as a new creation, we are focused more on the good that these habits develop in our lives. And in Proverbs, we see a condemnation to those who do not confess their sins in contrast to those who do. Those who don't confess that they have bad habits and they attempt to hide them won't prosper in their everyday lives. And on the other hand, those who renounce those, those habits will find mercy, prosperity, as they develop new daily habits. So winning the day can become a habit if we know how to develop healthy habitual routines. There are behaviors, though they are not the most exciting habits to practice, that begin our day with a sense of accomplishment and purpose. Making these healthy habits part of our daily routine will motivate us to achieve bigger victories throughout our day. This brings us to today's habit of eating the frog. <laughs> Eat the frog. I thought I'd leave this. I'm not going to eat this. I thought I'd leave this right here, though. So you'd be reminded of that. And eating the frog could be a hard thing to swallow, of course. And so we're going to be looking at this to make it a little easier. But according to Mark Twain, if you ever have to eat a live frog, it's best done first thing in the morning. <laughs> I know this scenario is awfully unlikely, but it's good advice nonetheless because you can go through the rest of the day knowing that the hardest task is behind you. The task that you want to procrastinate <laughs> should be taken care of as early as possible so that the rest of your day is easy. Those things you really don't want to do. Uh, there have been times where I know I've had to make a phone call or visit, and I'm just like, man, I, it's, just, it's confrontation. I really don't want to 
do this type of thing, but do it first thing, get it done. Then the rest of the day is like, whew, that, got that done. Here we go. Now we're, we're moving on with all these other things. But when we put aside procrastination, we are choosing to be productive and start our day off with accomplishment before we even get into the bulk of our day. Each new day is a chance to bring about change and, and form new habits that will lead us to a more productive and healthier lifestyle. This allows us to make the most of God's gifts to us and to use them to bring heaven to earth. And surprisingly, the new day begins the night before at bedtime. It's at bedtime that we make the decisions, uh, what time to set the alarm the next morning. It's at bedtime that we make the decision what our routine will be in the morning. Maybe you lay awake at night going, okay, these are the things I need to be doing. Maybe you don't. <laughs> you go to sleep, you're out, you're gone, you're sleeping, whatever. But when we go to bed each night, we set ourselves up for either failure or success by the decisions we make for the following morning. But every time we do this, we have a chance to make strides towards a better, healthier lifestyle. So what items on your to-do list are you most tempted to procrastinate on? What, what items might those be? What goals have you had forever but not taking the first step forward in accomplishing those goals? What difficult decision have you been delaying? We all have those difficult decisions. And because they're difficult, we don't like doing them. And we delay it. What are those decisions that you've been delaying? Whatever all those are, that's your frog. <laughs> that is your frog. Give yourself a deadline and get started. Now, the bottom line of all this, you need to pray like it depends on God, because it does. But you also have to work like it depends on you. If you want God to do the super, you've got to do the natural. And you have to start first thing in the morning, eat that frog. Now, how you start the day sets the tone for the rest of it. But many of us never give the morning a second thought beyond getting out the door on time. Our, our morning rituals are as unplanned as an earthquake. <laughs> but is that the best way to start the day? anticipating some kind of earthquake coming, you can't plan. That's, a sounding, that's sounding the retreat before the day even begins. Jesus made the most of the early part of the day, and Mark chapter 1 gives, a, gives one example. It said, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And on another occasion, before appointing his disciples in the morning, he prayed all night. So what's the one thing you... You least like to do, but you feel best about it afterwards. You, you just think, I don't look forward to this. It has to get done. But once it's done, you're going, okay, that's, that's good. That's, that's better. That's your frog. That's your frog. It's often the hardest habit to establish, but it pays the biggest dividends. Whatever it is, you've got to figure it out, a, a morning routine, that works for you. And I also might add one that works for your spouse and your kids and your grandkids and your dog and your neighbors, whoever else, your boss or whatever is going to be in your day. The reason so many of us fail to establish good, healthy routines is because we, we have convinced ourselves that we don't have the time to do them. We look at our day and we got things planned. We're going, um, yeah, you know, I'd like to go exercise or I'd like to 
read the Bible a little bit more, but just don't have time. And as long as we leave it up to our schedules, this sentiment will always be true. You see, we don't find time to do these things. We make time. You never find time. You just you make time. And Mark Batterson, the author uh, of this uh, book that we're going through, Winning the Day, he lays out the importance of making time for healthy choices, for a healthy routine, and for healthy habits. He says, according to a survey, 81% of Americans want to write a book. The number one obstacle preventing them from doing so, they can't find the time. And they never will. That's true of every goal. You don't find time to train for a marathon or get your graduate degree. You've got to make time. So there's some important things in your life that you're thinking, well, I'll find time. You gotta make time. You gotta make time. Making the time means deciding your schedule for yourself and not letting your schedule decide for you. <laughs> you look at your schedule for the week and going, okay, this is what I need to do. These are the things happening. I know, I, I fall into that. I fall into that. My schedule kind of dictates what I can do. I'm trying to get a hold of the schedule now and saying, no, <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I'm going to be doing, <laughs> and this is what I need to be doing. Schedule is a good guideline, but don't let your schedule decide for you. Making the time means starting each day with a win, starting the day with a victory, setting aside time for prayer, setting aside time for Bible reading, maybe it's exercise, or something as simple as just completing a chore, whatever it might be. Whatever that little victory looks like to you, making time to start the day with a win is enough to set you up for a productive day. Admiral McRaven of the United States Navy is well known by many for a commencement speech he gave at the University of Texas. In this speech, he urged the graduates to accomplish one thing every morning. And the one thing he mentioned, make their bed. <laughs> make their bed. This one simple task is enough to set you up for a multitude of productive decisions for the rest of the day. And McRaven talked about how this was a simple, mundane task that they had to do every morning during SEALs training but it was, was always the first thing they did and always the most important victory to start the day. So if you make your bed every morning, you will accomplish the first task of the day. <laughs> victory, yay! According to a Duke University study, 45% of daily behavior is automatic. Just happens, just comes. And that's not bad unless, of course, they're bad habits. <laughs> you gotta do some correction there. Habits are the way we we put things on repeat. Without that ability to, to automate, we, we'd have to relearn everything we do every single day. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, make my bed, that's right. Oh, oh yeah, brush my teeth, that's right. But habitualization is not just a good thing, it's a God thing as well. Habits save us tremendous time and energy, but this savings comes at a cost. When something becomes second nature, we don't give it a second thought. That's when and where and why we need to deconstruct and reconstruct our daily habits. And there are a lot of ways of doing this. You can study other people, look at what they do. I'm sure there's plenty on Pinterest, probably on YouTube as well. All those things we can look up. You've got to do an analysis of your time management, the talent management and treasure management. You've got to identify what Mike Grimm has spoken of before when we've been in uh, strategy meetings and stuff like that for the church. You've got to identify the SWAT, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And what he'd like to do is changing threats with challenges in that way, because 
But anyway, those things, identify those things that you have. And here's what can happen. You can reinvent yourself. You can reprogram your mind. You can repurpose your heart. You can reinvent your body and exercise. And Mark Batterson, again, the author, he shares how he got an email from a high school principal who read his other book, The Circle Maker. He said this principal topped out at 397 pounds. He was that heavy. He read the book and decided to run a marathon. <laughs> he had to lose 60 pounds before he started running, but he started running prayer circles around the 82 schools in his school district. He not only ran a marathon, but he also lost half of his body weight, too. Now, I understand that these things like height and weight can be more hereditary in that, you know, than anything else. I'm not dismissing that type of thing. But it still doesn't change that almost anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. And now, before you start getting a little taste here in your mouth that doesn't taste good, uh, some of you might be thinking this is just a repackaged self-help thing. Uh, it, actually, this is more of a stewardship issue. It's making the most of your time. It's making the most of your talent and your treasures that God has given you. It's my utmost for His highest. It's cultivating not only good habits, but God habits. So we need to help. We need, we need some help in hacking our habits, <laughs> figuring out how we can do a little bit better in these things. We're going to talk about some things, uh, terminologies, habit stacking, habit switching. I mentioned these things today. We'll, we'll reverse engineer some goals and turn them into daily habits. So think of a habit. Pick, of a, pick a habit, any, any kind of habit you're thinking of right now, any habit. And it could be physical, it could be relational, it could be emotional, mental, financial, spiritual, any of these kind of habits. It could be doing your, your age and sit-ups if you want. It could be keeping a gratitude journal for, for a daily quota. It could be a daily Bible reading plan. Whatever the habit you pick, pick one. And then how do we eat the frog? How do we eat the frog in these things? Let me share with you some things that I think will help out. But first of all, you have to make it measurable and then meaningful and maintainable. And we'll break this all down. First of all, you got to make it measurable. I remember when uh, our family thought it would be a good idea to go run the Starlight Run from, uh, uh, in the evening, you know, that run that they do before the parade happens. And I thought, okay, cool, where's it at downtown? We run through the streets. Oh, that would be fun. And, uh, and they said, well, it's a 5K. And I said, a what? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> 5K? I don't run 5Ks. <laughs> I don't do stuff like that. And this was before I had hip surgery. So I was thinking, would I last in a 5K? I don't know. So I quickly got on my phone to, with an app, of uh, looked up how to train for a 5K. And basically, it showed the different each day and planned out what you need to do. Now, each day separately, it looked like, well, that's wimpy. <laughs> but it build, built you up to the point where you'd be running finally a 5K. I thought, okay, well, let's try that. So I used the training plan on that, on the, on the fitness app. And, uh, you know, planned the work and then worked out the plan. And the, the training plan is, is what made my goal measurable by turning it into daily habits. It had, it, it was measurable, measurable through each day. I'm getting closer to my goal to be able to run a 5K. Now, if 
our son Zach is listening to this, he's going, oh, that's cute. <laughs> As he's run marathons and stuff like that and those, those things. But 5K is my marathon. <laughs> but make it measurable. Then make it meaningful. Make it meaningful. How do you make that meaningful? There's lots of ways to do this. One, you can do it for someone else. You can do it for someone else. Uh, Becky, during her pregnancy, changed her diet to give the baby inside of her what was needed to grow into a healthy baby. She let go of some things that she would want to eat, but she did it for who was inside her. Habit formation isn't just about you. It's about the third and fourth generation down the road as well. It's about leaving a legacy. It's about being a blessing. You find your why and look at it every day. So if it's pinning a picture up on your bathroom mirror, setting an alarm on your phone, do whatever it takes. Just make it meaningful enough to keep you moving towards your goal. Then make it maintainable. Maintainable. Along with being measurable and meaningful, our habits have to be maintainable. It's okay to dream big. It's okay to have those big dreams. But you have to start small. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. And that's what I was looking at with the 5K training and the app on my phone. I was looking at that going, hmm, <laughs> I can do that and I'm done. But as long as I didn't despise those little tiny daily workouts, I was able to build up and continue on and get ready to run a 5K. If you write two pages a day, you'll have a book in 100 days. You're capable of more than you imagine. But consistency beats out, in, uh, beats out intensity anytime. Being consistent is the key. You have to do it for a day, and then you have to do it all over again. That's how every goal is accomplished. And the good news about this is that anybody can do anything for a day. You can do it for a day. So you have to make the habit measurable, meaningful, and maintainable. Now, there's two techniques, and I mentioned them already um, and, and Mark Batterson mentions them in his book, but habit switching and habit stacking. This will help you eat your frog. <laughs> habit switching, basically, uh, in the Gospels, Jesus says something very fascinating, fascinating as it relates to habit formation. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45, he says, When an impure spirit comes out of someone, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go and live there. The final condition of that person is worse than the first. Now, this is a complicated verse to interpret, but let me ask the obvious question. Why is the person worse off? Why is the person worse off? And it's because they didn't cultivate the daily disciplines necessary to back up the divine deliverance. They were delivered, but then there was nothing that followed in that spot. God can deliver you in a day, no doubt, but you have to cultivate daily habits to back up this miracle. Just remember Jesus. He healed uh, this invalid by the pool of Bethesda. And he was an invalid for 38 years. And he complained that any time the waters got stirred, and that's when people could get healed. He'd get in the water and, the, and, uh, and you'd get healed. And he said, 
by the time I get over and do that, then it's all done and everyone's in there before me and I can't get healed. An interesting question that Jesus asked him. He said, do you want to be, be made well? <laughs> do you want to be made well? And his answer, of course, was, yes, I do. I, I do want to get well. And so Jesus heals him, you know, pick up your mat and walk. <laughs> Just do it. You're healed. And later, Jesus finds him in the temple and he tells the man, very interesting, he says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Oh, okay. Very interesting there. Cultivate the daily habits to back up the miracle. You'll fall back into where you were. Don't want to do that. Again, it's that supernatural thing. If you want God to do the super, you have to do the natural. You don't break a bad habit by not doing it either. This might work for a week or two or, or maybe four, but it's not a long-term solution. And spiritual spe spiritually speaking, you don't stop sinning by not sinning only. That's like someone saying, don't think of the jolly green giant. And what are you thinking of right now? <laughs> it, it, in psychology, there's something called a double bind. If I say to you, be spontaneous, just be spontaneous, you can't be. It, it creates a, a no-win situation here. And the and, and same goes for every temptation we face. I wish eating the frog was as easy as just say no, <laughs> but it's not. So what's the solution? You need a, a vision bigger and better than the temptation. The best way to break a bad habit is by building a good habit. It's easier said than done, and it takes time and effort, but you've got to reinvent your time, talents, and treasure into a good habit, a God habit. And there's a reason why Scripture tells us to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. There's the negative action of resisting. There's also the positive action of coming near. You can't just resist and, and, and be good with it. Come near to God. In the in, in 1970s, uh, Dr. William Glasser wrote a, a book called Positive Addiction. He said, addiction is not all bad. Sure, negative addictions destroy our lives, one drink, one click, one hit at a time. Positive addictions have the opposite effect. In a sense, all of us are addicts. <laughs> we are. We're addicted to something. I trust that you're addicted to Christ. <laughs> the question is this, are those addictions positive or negative? Are they healthy or unhealthy? Are they holy or unholy? All of us could afford to complain a little less, right? You get in traffic, seems like we complain. We get the weather changing on us, we seem to complain. But you don't just stop complaining, you've got to switch the habit. Here's a simple example. If you want to flip the script, one of the best ways to do it is keeping a gratitude journal. What are you grateful for? Especially maybe for that day. What are you grateful for in this day? It can turn someone who complains about anything into someone who is grateful for everything. Just with one little habit. And you keep a gratitude journal every single day, write down one genuine gratitude per day. You've got to write it down because you need to go back at it and look at it again, be reminded, recite it. And sooner or later, it will flip your script because it, it, it sanctifies that thing called the reticular activating system. 
It determines what we notice and what goes unnoticed. <laughs> and you aren't a complainer anymore. You're someone who is profoundly grateful for anything and everything in your life. So the first key is habit switching. And then he mentions the second key is habit stacking. Habit stacking. Now, this is coupling our habits with daily rhythms, daily rituals that go on. One simple way to do this is to turn certain times of the day into alarms. You've already done this in your life already. Think back to school. When you're back in school, you remember maybe when the lunch bell rang, <laughs> maybe when the uh, dismissal bell rang. I can remember when our 10-minute break bell would ring. In fact, one year in January 28th, 1986, when the bell would ring for a 10-minute break, the radio would come on over the speakers and we could hear what was going on. And on that day, we heard about the Challenger explosion. But do you set a timer on your coffee pot to have it brew at the same time every day? This is why we have the church bell ring each Sunday during service. And Ricky's not here, but thank you, Ricky. But technically speaking, habit stacking or, or habit chaining is coupling difficult habits with habits that come easy. So you just attach it right along with it. It's eating breakfast and having Bible reading at the same time. It's a reminder. You sit down for breakfast, you're going, wait a second, something else is supposed to be going on here. And you do that. With doing those things, you're getting your first meal of the day to get you going. And secondly, of course, you're feeding on God's Word to start out your day as well. There's lots of ways of doing this. And given the option, you can take the stairs whenever the opportunity presents itself instead of the elevator. I know Becky always has us do that. Hey, it's only 40, 40 flights. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. She hasn't done this. But wherever we can, we can take the stairs. It's a great way to get a little exercise. But the terminology of habit stacking might be new, but the idea is as old as the Shema. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through, through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your hearts. And the question, of course, is how? How do you do this? How do you keep them in your heart? How do you put them into practice? The answer is habit stacking. Verse 7. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Habit stacking. God doesn't just give commands. He couples them with daily rituals. Getting up, lying down. If you're trying to cultivate a prayer habit, one of the best ways to do it is first thing in the morning or last thing at night because those rituals function as reminders. And here's the good news. Some of you are already habit stacking. You're already doing it and you aren't even aware of it. If you pray before meals, you are habit stacking. If you hug your spouse when you get home, you are habit stacking. The trick is putting this into practice across the whole board and all that you want to do and all the things you're doing. So, pick a habit, whatever it might be that you want to do. You've got to stack those really hard habits with rituals and routines that come naturally. For me, it's praying for our kids. I want to do that, and it's a big thing. And so I put on my, 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 phone, my watch alarms that 
coincide with their birth dates, and I'm able to pray when the alarm goes off and go, yep, yep, that's, and I know the birth date right there because it goes off in that time. And so you see me quite often at 11.11, I'm turning off the alarm because that, of course, is for our daughter Brianna, praying for her. Those things, stacking habits together like that. <laughs> Another one, too, you know, routines and stuff like that that you want to do as well. Most of us are you know, dehydrated most of the time, and it has a detrimental effect on our physical mental health. Drink more water. And one way to counteract that habit is stacking. You get in the habit of filling your water bottle when you go to the bathroom. And you don't go to the bathroom until you drink the whole thing. <laughs> so that would be habit stacking right there. But show, show me whatever habit it might be, I'll show you your future. Because it brings you along to where, where you're going to be. And over time, you will become the sum total of your habits. That may sound a little overwhelming, but let me ask a simple question. Whatever habit you choose, whatever habit you're thinking about that you need to get doing and completing, can you do it for a day? Can you do it at least just for a day? Don't try to change 17 things at the same time. That will be overwhelming. You will fail on the first day. But focus on one habit. Maybe it's two if you have it stack. Listen to an audiobook while you bike. I remember Tim Teeson would listen to audiobooks while he ran. <laughs> and he'd also always talk about them. Said, oh, yeah, I listened to a good book this other day. I listen to podcasts when I do mundane things that I don't have to think a lot. Let me add a couple more things uh, that will help form healthy habits. A couple more things. Repetition is one. Process of repetition. Now, we do this, we did this with Bible quizzing as far as memorizing Scripture, and it was something that they would do, and they would repeat over and over again the Scripture that they needed to memorize, and read it over, and read it forwards and backwards, or whatever else, pick out the different words, but they would, would repeat it over and over, and reading it. You repeat something enough times, and it will become a habit. At first, it won't be easy, but once you develop it in a repetition for several days and several weeks, maybe even months, it will turn from an action to a habit. Think of the thing that you do now on a regular basis. You had to start that off by repeating it intentionally until it finally just kind of came second nature. This habit then will be something that can help set the course for your entire day. The Bible reading, exercising. Repetition requires intentionality and determination to get it started. You, you, you know, if you started the new year, you had resolutions. I'm going to do this. This is what I resolved to do for this new year. You had to repeat it and continue to do it no matter what, no how, how hard it was going to be. You had to do that and repeat it. But you must be intentional to start the re repetitious process. But in time, with, without you even realizing it, this daily repetition will transform into your new morning routine, simply out of habit. And uh, Mark Batterson put it this way. He said, the idea of ritualizing activities is as old as the Jewish people putting ritual reminders called mezuzah on their door frames. Instead of compartmentalizing the commandments, they integrated them into their daily routines through the mother of all learning, repetition, <laughs> repeated. 
And then in order to increase productivity and start forming healthy habits, you must first stop doing the bad habits that are keeping us from being productive. So you need to create a stop doing list. Identify those things in your life that you're going, you know what? This is unhealthy. You know, I wish I would have, I wish I could stop these things. Make a list of those things. List them out. Just like Jesus cursed the fig tree for not producing fruit, our lives will not be blessed if we remain unproductive. And so making a stop doing list as a visual for the things that are robbing us of productivity. What is it that's keeping you from being productive in that day? If we can get in order the, the daily habits we do constantly that produce absolutely nothing, like scrolling through social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all right. I mean, you can do that. But how many times have you started that off and you go, what time is it? Oh, my goodness. How long have I been doing this? And it just takes you away. Stuff like that. Or, or maybe like watching videos on YouTube. You can go one video after another. Oh, there's another one there. I want to see that as well. Oh, there's something else. Or any other unproductive task. We could start our own stop doing list of things that don't need to take up as much time in our daily lives as we currently give them. You can scale back on those things. And once we stop doing these unproductive habits, we can find it much easier to start forming habits that are abundantly productive. Replace them. For better or for worse, you're the sum total of your habits. Bad habits always come back to bite us. Good habits always come back to bless us. And either way, you cannot break the law of measures. It will make or break you. The law of measures is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 2. With the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. Simply put, you'll get out of it what you put into it. And by it... I mean, anything and everything from your health to your wealth to your marriage. <laughs> when Ivan and Maddie uh, got married last Monday and during the wedding ceremony, I shared how they each have plenty to bring to this marriage. And they each have a responsibility in this marriage. And what they put into the marriage is what they're going to get out of it. Ultimately, though, how you do anything is how you'll do everything. Ultimately, we can't do it in our own strength. God is going to show up, inviting Him, showing up in these situations, and He'll show Himself real. And the whole, uh, whole will be even greater than the sum of your habits. And I know this because the Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit will provide. The Holy Spirit will fill in where we can't. He is that X factor in all of this. But to be fair, we shouldn't over-spiritualize or under-spiritualize habit formation. There's a psychology to habit formation, but there's also a theology to habit formation. Habit formation is an art, it's a science, but it's also a spiritual battle. And the battle is won or lost in the mind, mind over matter. And as King Solomon said, as a man thinketh in his mind, so is he. It starts up, up here in the mind. And the good news, almost anybody can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. It always starts with that first domino. You've got to fill out the application. You've got to make the first appointment. You've got to check the first box. You've got to do the first workout. You've got to lose the first pound. 
you flick over the first domino. And I've got some good news. It's called the math induction theory. <laughs> it takes very little effort to push over a single domino. Actually, it takes 0 0.024 joules of in input energy, to be exact. That is the flick of the finger. And by the time you reach the 13th domino, the potential energy is 2 billion times greater than the energy it took to knock over the, the first domino. So don't despise the day of small beginnings. Start small. It's okay. Get the victories. A two-inch domino may seem insignificant, but across time and space, it has an a, a exponential effect. The same is true of our micro habits as well. Do your age in sit-ups, <laughs> and sooner or later, it will add up to a six-pack on <laughs> your abs. Write 100 words a day, and sooner or later, it will add up to a book. Every decision you make, every action you take has a domino chain effect. We overestimate what we can accomplish in a, in a single day, but we underestimate what God can do in a year or two or ten. As you continue to do these things each day, God will use that in an incredible way over a year's time or two years or ten. And remember, consistency beats intensity every time. Don't worry about how intense the day is that you've, you've accomplished, the things you've accomplished. At least have a victory in it. Give it enough time, you can transform your body, transform your mind, transform your marriage, transform your finances, and transform your attitude. Now, a, a six pack of abs may be 100 pounds from here. Writing a book may be 50,000 words away. Debt free may be $100,000 beyond your budget. Reconciling a relationship may require 17 counseling sessions. If you focus on the outcome, the, the finish line feels so far away that you're tempted to quit before you even start. How far do I need to go with this? Oh, man, it's so far away for this. The same is true of any, any challenge, though. You slice the pie into pieces by identifying the, the, the lead measures that will produce the desired outcome you want, then do it for a day. Find out what you need to do each day to get you down the road to it. This is the premise of that 40-day love challenge that you may have heard of from the movie Fireproof. Remember that movie that came out a number of years ago? It was meant to save marriages, and it has. It has helped marriages quite a bit. Daily challenges that seem unrelated. Do these things each day and for 40 days, see where your marriage is at. But it looked to produce the desired outcome of a strong marriage. It all comes down to one question. Can you do it for a day? Can you do it for a day? When it comes to habit formation, it's the question. So whatever habit you choose, you've got to make it measurable, you've got to make it meaningful, you've got to make it maintainable. Then with a flick of a finger, knock over the first domino. Do a little habit switching. Do a little habit stacking. Make it repetitive. Develop that stop doing list. And the cumulative uh, effect of, of those daily habits will pay dividends until the day you die. They also leave an inheritance for all eternity. Your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids down the line will benefit. 
So, go on. We need to eat that frog and have that victory for the day. I invite the worship team up and they're going to lead us in some songs, but let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for speaking to our hearts about the idea and the fact that we need to do the difficult things first in the day, be able to start those things off, and then be able to trust in you and follow you through those days and allow you to work through us and help us because, Holy Spirit, you're the one who's going to be able to take care of these things, the different habits, and changing habits and stacking those habits and all those things, Lord, that we talked about. If you're not part of the equation, this all fails. So, Lord, I pray that we would realize that we need to connect in with you throughout the whole process. And, Lord, as we look to eat the frog, pray, Lord, that we would be consistent in all that we're doing. And, again, that we bring this all under your control, your guidance. But, Lord, thank you for how we can be successful each day and feel victorious each day. So, Lord, help us to whatever habit we might want to form, that we would submit that to you and help us, Lord, to be able to make that habit uh, something that becomes second nature in our lives. And those things that are in our lives that are causing detriment to us or maybe those around us, help us to list those things under the stop-to-do list (laughs) and realize and recognize how it's robbing us and robbing those around us too. Lord, thank you for speaking to our hearts. And if we need to spend some time with you right now and establishing some things, some, some goals, some, some op- the opportunity to be able to just be cleaned up by you, whatever it might be, Lord, as you spoke to our hearts, I pray that we would be obedient to your prompting. Lord, thank you for speaking to us today. We love you, Lord, so very much. In your name we pray. Amen.